the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The world is a complicated place. You need someone to expose the political fakers, fixers, and takers, and to cut through the mindless chatter and misdirection to help you make sense of it all. That person is Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show. Welcome to this Thursday edition of The Dan Proft Show. Thank you for joining us. You get podcasts of the program, danproftshow.com, and... uh, Follow us on social media at Dan Prop Show. Uh, we begin with a look ahead to CPAC this weekend, where President Trump is speaking on Sunday. Much anticipated. Talk a little bit about uh, what we hope to get from that speech. But uh, before we even get to that, the question in Republican ranks and to Republican leadership yesterday, should he be speaking at CPAC at all? House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy had one answer. And House Conference Chairman Liz Cheney had another. Do you believe President Trump should be speaking, or former President Trump should be speaking at CPAC this weekend? Yes, he should. Congresswoman Cheney? That's up to CPAC. I've I've been clear in my views about uh, President Trump and and the extent to which following following January 6th, uh, I don't don't believe that he should be playing a role in the future of the party or the country. On that high note? (laughs) On that high note, fun times for Kevin McCarthy and uh, those never Trumpers within his caucus. Um, I think he has uh, there's probably more uh, tension in the House Republican caucus than there is in the Senate Republican caucus under the stewardship of Mitch McConnell. Nonetheless, yes, he should be speaking at CPAC and Liz Cheney. He should not have a voice in the future of the party or the country. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Wyoming voters think Liz Cheney should continue to have a voice in the future of the party in the state of Wyoming and at the federal level come Wyoming's primary next year and the challenge she faces. And by the way, those challenges to House Republicans who voted to impeach President Trump are starting to pick up, including uh, Adam Kinzinger in my home state of Illinois, now facing an announced challenger who uh, ran for Congress and uh, narrowly lost a primary last cycle, a young uh, woman named Catalina Lauf. So you want to pay attention to that one, too. It could be about whether if Kinzinger even decides to run again, that will be something else to watch. Some of those uh, 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach, many of whom have been censured by their local Republican parties, or at least some of their local Republican Party organizations, whether or not they're on the ballot again in 2022. Um, the larger question, of course, is the the work that Liz Cheney and some of those Republicans are doing. The future of the Republican Party, uh, which I, I assume, and and it should be, addressed in pertinent part by President Trump on Sunday. And it was interesting, uh, against uh, this backdrop, one more clip before I offer some comment, and that was Mitt Romney. He was uh, on with the intolerable Andrew Ross Sorkin, for this uh, D.C. deal book thing. And uh, he had this to say about the future of the party uh, and, and Trump's role in it, even though he's not a supporter of Trump having a role in it. 
But it was the end, the last thing he said that I think is particularly important to uh, pick up on and chat about a bit. Will, will President Trump continue to play a role in my party? I, I'm sure he will. He, he has by far the largest voice and a big impact in my party. I don't know about his family members, whether they intend to do that. But, but I expect he will continue playing a role. I don't know if he'll run in 2024 or not. But if he does, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he will win the nomination. Uh, you think I, he would win the nomination? Oh, I think he'd win the nomination if he runs. I mean, a lot can happen between now and 2024. So, uh, and I'm not great at predicting. I, I'm a, I subscribe to Yogi Berra's philosophy in that regard. He said, I don't like, uh, I don't like predicting, uh, particularly if the future's involved. So I, I, uh, I, I don't really know what will happen there. But I, I, I look at the polls, and the polls show that among the names being floated as potential contenders in 2024, if you put President Trump in there among Republicans, he wins in a landslide. Would you campaign against him? Uh, I, I would uh, not be voting for President Trump again. Uh, I haven't voted for him in the past. Uh, and I would probably be getting behind somebody who I thought uh, more represented the tiny wing of the Republican Party that I represent. Yeah, the, the last thing is the most interesting thing. I mean, all Mitt Romney was doing otherwise is describing what uh, every survey that's taken indicates in terms of Trump's popularity among Republican voters and support he would have at least initially, and he's right, four years is a long time, but at least initially from those who voted for him in 2020. But the last thing, uh, the tiny wing of the party I represent, maybe uh, Romney was trying to be self-effacing, but he's not inaccurate, is he? And uh, the interesting thing is, why does he represent a tiny wing of the party? That would have been a good follow-up question, but that's beyond Andrew Ross Orkin's capacity. Why do you think it is you represent a tiny wing of the party? A essentially a fraction of the party, small fraction of the party. And I'm not just talking about because you're the senator from Utah. I'm talking about approach. Is there something to take away from that? Maybe it's because when the Biden administration and the Democrat socialists proposed spending $1.9 trillion in funny money. Mitt Romney counters with $600 billion in funny money. Maybe it's because when the Democrat Socialists propose a $15 federal minimum wage, Mitt Romney counters with a $10 federal minimum wage. Maybe it's because Republicans, the rank-and-file Republicans, the base of the party, has tired of Republicans who slow walk socialism start from the premises of the left they're on the same path to the same place they just want to go at a bit of a slower gait maybe there's a bit of a frustration with that because pre-trump things haven't been that approach has not been working out well for middle-income families in america has it not to mention it runs counter to the philosophical foundation of the party as a free enterprise party you can't slow walk. I mean, you can try. You can uh, take the rhetorical position in support of the free enterprise system. But uh, the longer you slow walk socialism, the more people sort of catch wind of the two step that you're doing. So maybe that's why Mitt Romney has been marginalized. And the other reason that surrender Republicans like Liz Cheney are being marginalized is because they're starting from the rhetorical characterization of the 
Republican Party by the Democrat Socialists. So on the one hand, you have Romney starting from their policy premises. On the other hand, you have Cheney starting from their caricature of the party. This is a very good piece by uh, David Marcus, Liz Cheney, uh, over at thefederalist.com, I should add. Liz Cheney must explain why she thinks the GOP is a white supremacist party. And he quotes her from an event at the Reagan Institute. It's very important, especially for us as Republicans, to make clear we aren't the party of white supremacy. You certainly saw anti-Semitism on January 6th. You saw the symbols of the Holocaust denial. You saw a Confederate flag being carried through the rotunda. We, as Republicans in particular, have a duty and an obligation to stand against that, to stand against insurrection. Well, first of all, uh, those individuals who committed acts of violence, who broke the law on January 6th, are not representative of the Republican Party. But as Marcus points out, Liz Cheney knows exactly how that twaddle will be repurposed by the left to advance their caricature of the Republican Party as some white supremacist party, particularly if you know, Trump has any involvement with it. But it doesn't require Trump any more than it required Trump to refer to George W. Bush as a Nazi and uh, every Republican president or, or, or uh, even candidate before and since, including Mitt Romney, ironically. They don't need the truth to cast aspersions, do they? So Liz Cheney is just giving them fodder. This is the enemy inside the perimeter problem that the Republican Party has at the federal level to some extent now that we've seen. And I've certainly experienced it in, in states like Illinois, where the Republican Party has ceased to exist because they've ceded the characterization of their own party to the other side as well as the policy agenda to the other side, well, then why do you exist if you're going to cede your entire identity, both sort of philosophically and as manifested in your policy agenda? What's the point? Uh, and you start to ask that question, and a lot of people say, yeah, right, there is no point, because there's no difference. So why throw in with them? It's sort of a remarkable admission from Mitt Romney that I wouldn't mind seeing Trump pick up on in his remarks on Sunday and explain to Mitt Romney and the rest of the party just exactly why Mitt Romney represents that tiny wing of the party that he described. This is Dan Proff. Sharpen your pencils. Class is in session with Professor Dan Proft and the Dan Proft Show.